welcome to the Recording Library of West Texas Award-Winning Book Club. On this show, we feature fiction books that have recently won literary awards. We'll discuss writing style, characters, plot, and more aspects connected with this month's featured book, along with some fun questions. We will also pair the book with wine, so stay tuned for our thoughts and reviews of today's wine sampling. Now welcome our host, staff, and volunteers from the Recording Library of West Texas for our award-winning book club. Hi, welcome to the award-winning book club. This is our November edition, and we're discussing Days Without End by Sebastian Barry. It's the 2017 Walter Scott Historical Fiction winner and Costa Book of the Year award winner. I'm Trish, and I have here with me today on my left... Patrick... And on my right, Iris, and the three of us are going to talk about the book, and I guess we can find out next month what everybody else thought about it that didn't show up. Um, okay, so we'll start off with the information about the award. The Walter Scott Prize for Historical Fiction is a British literary award founded in 2010. At 25,000 pounds or $33,000, it is one of the largest literary awards in the UK. The award was created by the Duke and Duchess of Buckley, whose ancestors were closely linked to Scottish author Sir Walter Scott, who is generally considered the originator of historical fiction with the novel Waverley in 1814. Eligible books must have been first published in the UK, Ireland, or Commonwealth in the preceding year. For the purpose of the award, historical fiction is defined as being that where the main events take place more than 60 years ago, i.e. outside of any mature personal experience of the author. Reflecting the subtitle 60 Years Since of Scott's most famous work, Waverley. Submissions are to be from publishers. The seven current judges are all Scottish or British who are published authors themselves. They are selected by the Duke and Duchess and the chair of the committee, Alastair Moffat. The winner is announced each June at the Borders Book Festival in Melrose. The Walter Scott Prize for Historical Fiction is unique amongst book prizes in having a permanent master trophy, which is on display at Bowhill, the Duke of Buckley's Borders home. This exquisite glass sculpture was commissioned from the artist Colin Reed. The first four winning authors were presented with smaller versions of this flagship trophy by the Duke at prize ceremonies. In 2015, a new winner's trophy was commissioned of a beautiful glass panel capturing the colors and shapes of the Scottish borders. A newly created version of this trophy has been presented to winners in subsequent years. Thank you. And I did look at the picture of that online. That are the big one that's kept at the, what, it's like a state the castle. Something. Yeah, the castle. Is like this, it's glass books, and they're like placed horizontally, and they're kind of at angles and stuff, Ooh. and it looks really cool. And But yeah, you can't take, you couldn't take it out of there. So they gave the smaller one, but then the picture of this newer one, it's kind of like a picture frame size, like 11 by 14 of the glass. And I really like Scotland, so I thought it was very, it's very pretty. It like definitely looks like a Scottish sunset over green, the deep green. I also thought that the award is interesting because of the prize, money. That's one of the bigger prizes. So good for Sebastian Barry <laughs> and his award. Okay, so let's talk about, I think that's next, the about the author. Sebastian Barry, born uh, the 5th of July, 1955, is an Irish novelist, playwright, and poet. Barry was born in Dublin. He was educated at Catholic University School and Trinity College, Dublin. He was named Laureate for Irish Fiction, 2019 to 2021. He is noted for his dense literary writing style and is considered one of Ireland's finest writers. Barry's literary career began in poetry before he began writing plays and novels. In January 2017, Barry was awarded the Costa Book of the Year Prize for Days Without End, hence becoming the first novelist to win the prestigious prize twice. And since we're a smallish group, would you go ahead and read the book summary as well, Sure. Thomas McNulty, aged barely 17 and having fled the Great Famine in Ireland, signs up for the U.S. Army in the 1850s. With his brother-in-arms, John Cole, 
Thomas goes on to fight in the Indian Wars against the Sioux and the Yurok, and in ultimately the Civil War. Orphans of terrible hardships themselves, the men find these days to be vivid and alive, despite the horrors they see and are complicit in. Moving from the plains of Wyoming to Tennessee, Sebastian Barry's latest work is a masterpiece of atmosphere and language, an intensely poignant story of two men and the makeshift family they create with a young Sioux girl, Winona. Days Without End is a fresh and haunting portrait of the most faithful years in American history and is a novel never to be forgotten. That's a good starting point. I don't think I'll forget it because it wasn't what I expected at all. Not a Louis L'Amour, was it? <laughs> sort of interesting to have a, an international perspective on the American West. It's almost like Sergio, what's his name? Sergio Leone doing spaghetti westerns. Yeah. It kind of had that weirdness. I don't know why that feels weird to us. Maybe just because we're Americans. I don't know. We have the the right to our own interpretation. I don't know. Anyway, what'd y'all think of the book in general? Entertaining, but kind of out of context. The language was way too refined for you know the, the characters. Oh yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, it probably. I don't know. The language turned me off. Really, but um, in fairness, um, I read the I, I did the audio, and it was really hard to follow. I find myself getting lost because the grammar that I'm used to, he he didn't use at all. No, uh-uh. and and no. so I, and it is dense. It I is would dense. you know kind of get lost after a while. I'm like, what what were we talking about again? <laughs> and so, um, well, I had like I don't totally understand both of those points of view, and then a third point of view, which is I don't usually mind gory. But at some points, I was like, mm, a little. We I mean, didn't need all those details. Yeah, you're right. But that's just me. I mean, but I mean, I I don't mind in general. I guess if you're going to write about war, it's going to be gory. But it, it did have a voice. It had a, a really distinct voice. And I was thinking about, okay, what was positive about this? Because I didn't like the language. But, <laughs> um, Find I, something good. I can't imagine the book now without the language. I True. You know, with. Yeah, I couldn't even repeat what he said. I couldn't repeat one sentence of what he said. I have to, have to read it. But uh, and so that's I did print out an example because that's going to be because re- I thought that's it's going to be really hard to describe that because you we do have the one narrator the whole way through, so that's different than a lot of things that we've read with multiple points of view. Um, so it's just him the whole way through, and so it is definitely a singular voice, and I don't. There's no quotation marks, yeah. so it's just all him recounting. These things that happen. Is that a British thing, or is it? I don't know, but it is. That's two. They're just a lazy publisher, maybe. I I think it's a style. I think maybe it's a style. Because I I think the other one that didn't have quotation marks was also the Irish, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the one Milkman. Yes. Which was, um, she didn't have quotation marks. It was hard. There was more conversations in hers, though. So it was conversation. Who who did conversations between? We didn't read that, but it was. Yeah. I can't remember the name. Oh, I can't remember there. Okay, but I'm going to read my example of the dense. It's just the starting of the book because I was like, oh, no, this is going to be another one I have to really pay attention. And it's not like a fly through read. So this is how it begins. The method of laying out a corpse in Missouri sure took the proverbial cake, like decking out our poor lost troopers for marriage rather than death. All their uniforms brushed down with lamp oil into a state never seen when they were alive. Their faces clean-shaved, as if the embalmer sure didn't like no whiskers showing. No one that knew him could have recognized Trooper Watchhorn because those famous Dundreary's was gone. So that's like my example of that. That just doesn't flow off the tongue. Anyway, but... uh, but It's very visual. But it paints a lovely picture. I mean, at least it paints a good picture. Anyway, death likes to make a stranger of your face. True enough, their boxes weren't but cheap wood, but that was not the point. You lift one of those boxes, and the body makes a big sag in it. Wood cut so thin at the mill, it was more a wafer than a plank. But dead boys don't mind things like that. The point was, we were glad to see them so well turned out, considering. Those sentences are hard to read out loud. And that sentence structure... And it's all the things the English teachers told you not to not do. Not to do, exactly. When, when I was just reading the poetry thing that he did poetry before, that makes more sense. Oh, yeah, that does. Book. That does make more sense. Because he had a lot of metaphors and similes, like 
kind of bizarre ones, but kind of. <laughs> yeah, there's. I had to. Did y'all find yourself? Uh, also, I was reading on my Nook, which I like to read if it's going to be a book where I'm going to have to look up words because there was some words that I think were Irish, maybe. And then there was like he's in the battle. He described something, and it, I just wasn't familiar with it. I had to like look up what it meant. And then something when they were performing, I had to, I was like, oh, I need to figure out what that word is. So you can just I can just like put my finger on the word and the dictionary comes up, which I really like. It's very useful in a book like that. Yeah. That is um, nice. Yes. I was I used it a lot this time. Um <laughs> <laughs> so the dense language definitely is is unique, but it was kind of nice to have it just be one person this time. You always knew who was talking. You did. I forgot his name. I was going to say, it seems like his name Tom. didn't come out until you Thomas McNulty. Way but down I the road. Hanson John Cole. Right. Hanson oh, yeah. John Cole. You got that one early. Oh, yeah. I'm, that was repeated. Yeah. Many that's, times. that's the only way he called him, I think, was <laughs> Handsome John. Um, sounds very Irish, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of see them putting the descriptor before the name. Like that's that seems like an Irish thing to do. So the names were odd. Yeah, they were pretty odd. I don't know if they were supposed to be. Not John Cole, obviously, no. but the other ones. Lige something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then the Winona. Starlings. <laughs> yeah. I tried to think if maybe. Winona was the one of them. If he was just getting old fashioned names or if like he was yeah. making stuff up. I don't know if those are like traditional Irish names or. From that period of time, maybe, maybe. so. Eh, I, don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was. Creating, he was, it he out was of being this. a poet then, kind huh? of created poetry, but sort of creating a myth too. But the McNulty, so I did go read a little bit. The McNulty family is in other books. He has huh? used them, and so this, and it's all loosely based. These characters are loosely based on members of his own family. I don't know where the McNulty name. I don't think it has anything to do with his family, but he has this fictional family, and he's used in several books. And so this guy is supposed to be like loosely based on his like great great uncle or something. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I learned a little bit about him as a writer. I think he'd be a interesting person to have a pint with in an Irish pub. Is <laughs> one he seems very Irish and two weird. <laughs> but anybody who can write the whole book like that's what I kept thinking to not fall out of that voice. Oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Definitely. But because the sentences almost end with an adjective. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard. It is. Uh, yeah. But I enjoyed the um, I did listen to part of it and I did enjoy the the narrator. It's a very Scottish voice. I'm Scottish. Very Irish accent. Strong, but understandable. I didn't find that. You didn't think it was understandable. Not a lot of the time, no. <laughs> okay. On the other hand, though, I, I liked I liked his. How do I say this? I got lost in it. Like I, sometimes mm-hmm. I didn't know what he was saying, but I I liked him as a guy, like the person that yeah. I pictured writing the narrator. Yeah, he was he was all right. Yeah, but hard to follow. He had nine lives, though. Every time he'd hear about things happening to him, it's like, yeah, how how's many... this going to work? You're this little skinny thing. Yeah, starting with being an immigrant in a ship where everybody died. Yeah. Um, yeah what did it land, like Nova Scotia or something? And and all the rats. That was pretty gross Ugh. imagery of all the rats leaving the ship before the people could get off. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so that goes to the, the the part that I was saying is a little bit gory. Do too, too much for you? Yeah, and then so, but I can totally see these dirty little boys. <laughs> that description is great, and I can see them. So they meet hiding underneath the shrubbery or hedge, and he says at the time that he he's wearing a wheat sack. So one wonders what happened to his clothes. Did he? It's just weird. So it starts he, off. He continued the weird. So yes. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so they meet, and then their way they're going to earn money is to dress up like women, which I thought all that was very inventive. Yeah. And might have actually taken, do y'all think it's like I historically accurate? I, I, I thought, did people do this? I did look up, because I'm curious about drag. Um, So they were going to... West drag? Like, like 1800s drag? Yeah, drag? how did drag start? Okay. Like, that's what I was sort of like, what's the origins of drag? Um, so these, bo- they're... Young boys, 
in a town where there's no women and they're going to dress up. There's no funny business. There's no touching. They're just going to do waltz waltzing with the rough miners. Yeah, I don't know if that part's historically accurate at all, but it was interesting. <laughs> and the origins of drag is basically starts with vaudeville. Well, and it really starts before that with Shakespeare when women couldn't be actors. So it sort of started off that way. But in America, it's more of a vaudeville invention. Okay, yeah, and that can you can kind of gather that from the book maybe. So it's almost about the right time period for yeah. vaudeville, the beginnings of shows like that. But the sign said clean young men or whatever yeah, to advertise I'm, for those roles. And I thought, what? Yeah, it seemed suspicious. But they were hungry, so they really didn't care. You know, the one thing that seems, um, I could picture people just having rough days and, and, and maybe their mind not being completely right and just kind of going into a, a different, a fictional world and pretending. Miners and. Whoever. Oh, like hard, like, yes, hard the people labor. That came to people see in dancing. hard labor. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I don't want to think about, I mean, what have I been doing all day? This is awful work. Yeah. I guess if you don't, I don't know, I can see it. I don't know. I guess we do the same thing a little bit when we go home at the end of the day and turn on the TV yeah. or read a book. We're trying to escape. But what in our country we think of as gun smoke and Miss Kitty and the, the barfly dancers, you know. And, and oh, yeah. Like when you think of the West, there's always women there. Yeah. Maybe not very and, many. And this was and very, not very strange. Yeah, because there weren't any. And, and these little boys were. I wondered about all that, if it's true or not. Well, and youth laws would not be enacted. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think they would have cared about that at all. So that's where we start off. They become friends first. Then it develops into a relationship. Then they become soldiers. So the soldiering part, I liked one of the descriptions in there, and I should have printed out that sentence too, but it was like the Army's a hard life, but you get food and you get a uniform. And you get a horse. horse. Yeah, a horse. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if that horse is old and sick. You still get a horse. So Which I thought might have been a lot for McNulty. Extremely realistic, I think. Because I think that's still the case with the military, is that sometimes people join the military because that's their best option. Right. Even, even if it's not yeah. the best option. I found missing from the book, um, this is a criticism, there, his casual way of going into the relationship with John Cole. Handsome John Cole. <laughs> Handsome John Cole. The don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I think there's probably a lot of homosexuality soldier, but there's no with soldiers. Guilt there at all. But there's no, there's like no Catholic guilt, no nothing. No. And I'm like, aren't you from Ireland? You know? Yeah. And so that kind of, I, I thought, okay, I, I, can, I can see the feelings happening. I can, you mm -hmm. know, but why aren't we wrestling with this at all? Why is it an, an issue? Yeah, the only time it becomes an issue is much later yeah. when they're going to live with the other people on the farm in Tennessee. And it's like, yeah, so he's going to wear this dress from now on <laughs> because he's on the lamb. Yeah, he's on the run. But also he kind of likes to wear the dress. It's him. <laughs> I even got that just, you know. Yeah, like and nobody, nobody was going to no, be like. No one puts up a fuss about it. Yeah, you'd expect for them to even to maybe to to joke about it. We'd think Winona might have said something, but she's just totally smitten with both it's of them. Very, it's like complete and total acceptance, which <laughs> is interesting. An interesting considering idea. the way she became part of the family. Yeah. So the end. I felt sad, sad for all the stuff, all their encounters with the Sioux, and I feel like that part uh, is probably very true. Yeah. Um. That. Very they, violent Americans and yeah, very the the Indian Wars, I guess, is what the historical background of that is, and how very violent it was, and that these soldiers really didn't know. But I also thought it was interesting that it was easier to fight the Indians because they were other; they were so different. Then when the Civil War the comes Civil around, War. Oh. it's the people who look just like you carrying an Irish flag. That was a big point that the southerners were carrying an irish flag when how many people i wonder were in both sets of wars the indian wars and then the civil war yeah i think you recognize people throughout mm -hmm. the book that you know and but the the funny thing is that he just seemed to follow whatever they said until it came to winona and john cole and then way 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 can't do that quite but okay i'll do this i'll do that yeah he definitely picked his battles i would say like mm -hmm. he 
his as a character, he was really interesting like that. He's sort of just discretion, maybe. Is that what we call it? I don't know. I guess good picking word. up Winona was guilt for yeah. killing her mother. Killing. So Winona's their Indian little girl they adopt. And they I thought some of it was pretty sweet, the part with her, that they wanted to make sure that she got an education, which I thought was kind of odd for two for guys who are supposedly year, orphans yeah. who didn't really have an education themselves. Right. In those years, I mean, you know, college was not. Well, I mean, and girls weren't even really worthy of going Mm-mm. to school at all. That's right. So he might have departed a little bit from his theme and his era with that. I think there's a lot of departure. Well, and there, there wasn't any the, that I remember that besides just the war itself, was there violence against women in particular? Like, how come Winona wasn't in danger there? I, I mean, she wasn't in danger until I mean, yeah, exactly. She wasn't. Well, there was that one question when he when he went to this the mate was it the guy in charge of the, the I'm not good with military stuff. Lieutenant, the or major, yeah. whatever, who was in charge of the fort, uh-huh. and his wife was in charge of the Indian children. Yeah. Yeah, and he went to say, "We're going to leave, and we want to take her with us." <laughs> and she did sort of question his motives. Okay. And that was the only time that's I was—that's right. that's the only right. time that I felt like that anybody was like concerned that they might want to take this girl for other reasons other than trying to be parents to her. Yeah, because she was like people. Yeah, guys will come in here and say they're going to take these Indian, but they're taking them as a squaw, sex slaves, and but then she still let it. She was like, okay, I need to make sure that she writes me letters. That was the insurance policy, which well, and it would have been understandable for for him to have a, a few departing thoughts from the pure and, mm-hmm. and still you know, want to do the right thing, but never mentions anything. No. Never hear anything. No. And no one. Yeah. None of Everybody is pure as the driven snow except violence. <laughs> oh, except for extreme violence. Okay. So a little unbelievable there. Yeah, there was some suspension of reality, I think, definitely. Okay. So I'm gonna go with it was hard to find questions. This is there's no New York Times <laughs> questions. There's no book club. I even put in like study guides, like for and then you know then you're like chapter by chapter because that's somebody doing it for school. And I was like, ugh, no, <laughs> I didn't even want to read the study guide, <laughs> much less the, the award it. made more sense. I think uh, hearing that it was how focused it was. Yes, yeah, focus. Like, it, really, yeah. this got a award? Really? You know. It's very different, and I think that's – I know. Sorry, it's cold in here. I think it's it does have a, maybe a shock factor because of the language is dense and yeah. the subject is – it's gay cowboys, but it's not Brokeback Mountain. That's for sure. That's true. Because that's all about yeah. the judgments of society, and, mm-hmm. and this is – there's absolutely no judgment. When I was start, I, I didn't read anything about the book before I started to read it, and then – I was. I think it's just a very an aside. It, it, like if they had sex, and that it's was so innate yeah. in the book. Like this is just just not a big n- deal. Not, not question, just natural. And and I, I could I could maybe uh, go with the natural stuff. I could not go with the not being but questioned stuff. Like no questions, no judgment, and they're not worried about it right. either. I mean, I know we all know. I mean, as soldiers, that that obviously is a common thing, but that that no one. Ever? Don't ask. Don't there's know. not one yeah, jerk. That's exactly it. Like right. There's not one sort of homophobic jerk in the army. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> Come on. Amazingly, so. their regiment was very <laughs> open. <laughs> so it's like mythical. It's mythical historical fiction. <laughs> there we go. Um. Okay. So the only questions. So we've got. Well, I'm just going to read one. If it's not interesting, we'll go on. Thomas escapes famine in Ireland for war and horror in the U.S. However, at times he seems to find moments of happiness and safety. How well did the author balance the contradiction between being, and I thought there was a lot of that juxtaposition of horror and then just sort of normal um, family life. Yeah. And almost like almost beauty too. Like he recognizes the beauty of the natural world, especially when they're out like in Wyoming. He has his descriptions of that. Well, and they're great. mostly out. The yeah. book is mostly outdoors. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. The descriptions when they finally do get to Tennessee and they're working the farm and the tobacco and everything. I really like that. I had no idea. I mean, 
it, all of a sudden they were going to have a normal life, it looked like. Just in a description of a, a very good description of the process of everything you need to do to grow tobacco and everything that they did then without any modern farm equipment. Yeah, all that was super felt. Maybe the, I thought maybe he did this, maybe that's his, what he thinks life is, is like a roller coaster horror and then safety and then. I don't know. Well, for that time period, you know, um, it would have been that, you know, if, if you were going through three, two wars, the the Civil War and the the Indian Wars, In and, um, and and you were in, the, I mean, maybe a half the book was the army or three yeah. quarters of the book was the yeah. army. Yeah, I would say three quarters. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, I mean, if it's army and the, the army is doing something besides practicing, then yeah. you're going to have a lot of. The one thing you probably got right was that when we're not fighting, we're bored, bored, bored. <laughs> like it's all sitting around playing cards. Restless and, men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just trying to wait out the weather or wait till you get told to move out. And then that sort of excitement when you are when you do finally get to go to battle, like the they're really in Russia. they're really ready to go to Virginia to fight the Johnny Rebs. And then the other thought that I'm sure is is a bit historically accurate would be the part where they go to their prisoners of war, because Andersonville was the worst prison in the Civil War. It was lots of people died, and when they got there. Uh, Right before when they got captured, I'm like, I bet he's going to make them go to Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? <laughs> because I don't think there's any more notoriously horrible. Um, in fact, the, and then the other thing I read, and this is interesting to me, <laughs> about war crimes, that there really was no, actually, this dovetails to, I guess, um, the, there was, in the recent news, there was three sold, or soldiers pardoned recently mm -hmm. by the president and those were war crimes that they ended up being pardoned for. And there was no such thing as a military tribunal. There was no war crimes until the civil war. And then some commanding officers were like, you know, probably the raping and pillaging of the South could count as. Yeah. I think crime. somebody maybe saw that with a, and had a little bit of a conscience and was like, you know, we should probably have that. <laughs> So anyway, that part of it, I was like, I think that was historically accurate, but it was pretty lawless. I, I bought the, uh, um, when, when they came and, well, when they sent the letter to McNulty and kind of coerced, forced him to come in and turn himself in as a deserter, and then all the uh, processes that he went through as a deserter, I believe that completely. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm sure that they would have shot him if, you know, like for cro not crossing his T and dotting oh, his sure. I, you know. I was surprised he survived that. Yeah. I thought they were going to end the book with him dying. dying. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Definitely. Well, and that's so such a weird process, though. So he went back to get the girl to save her. And in order to do that, he had to rejoin. Yeah, because the major hadn't signed off on his stuff properly. I, I mean, it seems realistic, but I don't know enough. Well, it's to kind know of a, if that would have a been guilty standard. And proven, until proven innocence, Definitely. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so and so said you did it, so we, we, you probably did. And that they would go to that much trouble to find him. Too yeah. would they really go to that much trouble to find a deserter? Well, those bounty hunters they, were going to make some money yeah. on it. Yeah, it well, has to be they bounty did hunters, money, didn't they? Yeah, I think. Yeah, they, yeah he did. They, the bounty hunters did make money. That was the Clint Eastwood part that I was like, yeah. Okay, Thomas and John were both uh, part of both wars. How, and the description we talked about that a little bit already. The description of those those wars are different, with the Indians being the other and easier to uh -huh. kill, and then the Civil War. They got the prejudice against the Indians, right? Yeah, they did. He definitely yeah. did. Yeah. And the next question: the relationship between Thomas and John Cole is central to the novel. How different would their experience be in the U.S. military today? <laughs> I think we, I think we understand. I mean, I don't know. Are we still? Well, do I don't know. That's a good question. Well, how about ten years ago? Fifteen years ago? Yeah, before "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." Would would yeah. that have been the way it was? Oh, I think that they would have gotten. Either hurt or, mm -hmm. you know, shunned, raped, something. I was going to say, kind of like in prison. What's that movie with um, Tom Cruise? The he's the lawyer, 
and Demi Moore. Oh, a few good men. Yeah, they, Jack Nicholson, because they don't. The commanding officer doesn't do anything, and they beat up the the yeah. guy who's gay. And he dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> so I mean, I'm not. I don't. I I would like to ask someone who's in the army today, what's going on? What's it like now? And um, especially because there has been so much publicity about don't ask, don't tell. Then it was repealed. And now we have everything to, um, I think the new rule was the trans, is it transgender Uh rules? Yeah. I hear more about women being (laughs) raped than I hear about homosexual or or, uh, gay or lesbians being hurt. Now, I, I don't know that that means anything, but in the media. Yeah. There's more about women. Oh, I thought you were going to say they seek counseling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if there's still a stigma there. I mean, I'm sure there is, or there is for some people, but then I'm sure for some people there's more. It's an interesting question. Well, everybody Remember report the tail back hook to me. Thing. <laughs> yeah, the the tail hook scandal and things right. like that. You're just like, I wonder where it ends now that um, everybody's come out. I think it does depend on a few good men to be able to go like, nah, don't do that. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to back to the Native Americans. How does the introduction of Sue Child Winona into the complicated relationship of Thomas and John challenge our preconceptions of the family? Well, there are a lot of families now with two men at the head or sure. two women. So, and adopting. I, th- I think it's maybe you know a foreshadowing of of the life that we see now. I don't know that it was that off. I, I think that a uh, well, a child. I think children would probably get more grace, at least to be with um, the people that they were with. Like if they didn't show her in school with other girls or anything, though, I think that. Yeah, it's very her character to me is extremely one dimensional. It's just how John sees her. And it's not even it's not even in a way. Well, he does say the only thing where she becomes a little bit of a sympathetic, I mean, she, obviously she's a sympathetic character because her whole you know, family's been murdered, except for her uncle, when they're between wars uh-huh. and she is, they're, maybe no, is it maybe death? Yeah, she has nightmares. That's the only time there's any like a, effect of what happened to her family and everything and that, that John is not the um Thomas is not the one who comforts her, but that it's John Cole who gets up in the middle of the night and goes and, and comforts her when she has nightmares. That was the only part that was a little, I was like, well, wouldn't you take turns? Because I've been a parent. Sometimes mom goes and sometimes, you know, mom's tired. And um, sorry, that's my experience. <laughs> but that whole, the whole family dynamic uh, of, of them even wanting her to they begin with. They both seemed very devoted. Yeah. To the girl. So I have, did y'all read anything about the author and what made him write the book? No. Oh, okay. Good. Would you like to tell yes, me? I'll yes, I'll tell y'all. So Sebastian Barry lives obviously in Ireland and he's married and to his wife and they have three children and one of his sons is gay. Oh. And he came out to his parents and when he did, the re- what led to the, his his coming out story was that his parents noticed he was becoming increasingly depressed as a teenager. And then when he finally did come out to them that that was why it was because he had experienced prejudice. And so when the author is writing, when Sebastian Barry is writing, he, it came to him like, what, what would it be like if there was no prejudice? Oh, (laughs) so that's your fiction part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he does a good job of that. Yeah. He really did. He really imagined. And not only, a mo- like, you could, it'd be easy to go, like, a mo- with a modern, you know, like, it would almost be science fiction, a modern portrayal of that relationship. But to g- it's weird to but go back and put it in against, historical. <clears throat> prejudice against gay people. There's still prejudice against Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't think he cared about the Native Americans. <laughs> Being an Irishman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, With all the, the kill. They, would, they wouldn't have a book, would they? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We need the conflict. There has to be um, that. It's almost, it's sort of like a reimagining, which I think is a new, that's a new thing I've noticed in, in um, TV, movie, fiction, that you sort of reimagining history. 
Yeah. Uh, under that context, the book's better. <laughs> <laughs> that poetic license. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it made sense. I, I really was confused. About halfway through the book, I'm like, I just knew there was going to be a scene of conflict because of their homosexual relationship. And there was, it was just nothing. Yeah, they... they <laughs> It is almost science fiction. Wait, 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 they, they just maybe you, they you, were so discreet, nobody knew. You kind of think. I wonder if. I wonder how close they're becoming. They're spending an awfully lot of time together. <laughs> then it friends. just casually says they fucked. And yeah, da, 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 yeah, da, da, da. exactly. And then yeah. like, oh, okay, just like that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I read that line too, and I was like, well, that was a little abrupt because he really, there's really no cussing in the book at all, which you would think with soldiers there'd be a lot of f words and s words and everything. But the, I mean, he says shit. And, you know, I mean, how else are you going to describe army food? Um, <laughs> but it was that was where y'all like when I read that line, I was like, wait, did I just read that? Yeah. <laughs> I said I was like, is that what I heard? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you were listening. It was so, pretty yeah. blatant. But but you just kept thinking, wait a minute, they're dancing together. They, <laughs> yeah. You know, have kind of put themselves up out of the gutter, basically. To, so is he transgender or yeah. cross-dresser? What is yeah. he? What does he do? And I, I was just like waiting to hear more. Yeah, there was no, it was just, he likes the dress. I think by the end of the book, he was a trans, for for that time, a trans female. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Ish. Man, I don't know. <laughs> like, so, so he really wanted to go all the way and then. And, uh... Well, he wanted to, he liked the clothes. I mean, he said he wanted to, he felt more comfortable in the dress in the than dress, he ever right. had in his the, uniform. In his, Pants. Well, I mean, Barry wanted to go all the way in terms oh. of uh, showing. Oh, like, like, like let, let's do the whole GLBT, LGBT thing. Yeah, maybe that's interesting. And I know I do know that there is a lot of prejudice in the Irish. I mean, I've heard that before. Maybe um, based upon their religion in Ireland. Uh, um, obviously, religion, but then yeah. in sexual orientation, gender separated country. It is. It's very. Um, I think women are have had to really fight for equality okay so let's do um a few standard questions can y'all see a movie no yeah (laughs) (laughs) not not in that language Mm -hmm. like if they're gonna have to clean up the clean up the language they're gonna have to like say it in english (laughs) (laughs) yeah or it's gonna be like a hallmark no not hallmark who would do that even Independent film. It almost so the only movie that I can think of that has like like maybe like Cormac McCarthy is hard to read and his when like No Country for Old Men. Yeah. When they translated it to a movie, it made it better for me because I could. Yeah. Didn't have to think as I hard. Read that. Yeah, oh, it's a great book. <laughs> the like his like he's hard to read, and he's a Western author. So that's the only thing that I was even kind of comparing the two of them. And how interesting he's an Irish American. Do you see Far and Away? Yes. That's except this was much dirtier than. Oh yeah, that's like a Far and Away. Fair. Well, I mean, fairy tale. Both <laughs> both mythical, but kind of yeah. Yeah, kind of kind of weird with historical um, sur- surrounding events. Yes. Like a f- so, I did also read a thing about or saw it on TV. I don't know. It was this author, and he was talking about um, he's a Native American author. He won like a Pulitzer Prize, and I had never heard of him. Mama Day. Mm. I had his. That's his last name. But like in 1969, so yeah, way before any of us would have been reading Pulitzer Prize winning novels. Right. <laughs> Even I wouldn't read it that age. Um, he said that he writes fiction and historical fiction, and he said you have like your history is like the bottom layer, and then you put imagination over it, mm-hmm. and then you have a story. That sounds like fun to write. Yeah, talk about your formula novels. <laughs> Yeah. It gives you your plot, kind there of. There we go. A lot of your plot. Yeah, you've got a framework. Sure. I mean, and I think there's all, that fiction, there's always element elements, but this is a little bit beyond just having a single element. There's a new series on, um, oh, Apple TV, and we watched like one episode of it, and it's a reimagining of the space race. Okay. And so it actually, where it diverges is, is, with that the russian they make it where the russians land on the moon first oh and then we spend tons of money and it's it's pretty interesting i mean even just that first episode was pretty interesting because it reimagines 
what that would look the like. Whole, if we were chasing instead world. of leading, yeah. Well, and the, then be, and then how much if they basically what the arc of the story is that we spend so much money that we just go way past everybody else. And and also with uh women being allowed to be yeah. astronauts and stuff. So it's just a, a reimagining. So maybe that's a new thing in yeah. books and the TV man in the high and, castle, that's yeah, that's Philip World Day. War Two. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it has alternate dimensions where one dimension is... Like, what if the Nazis won? Yeah, versus yeah. the other dimension is the opposite. Yeah, what do y'all think of that genre? I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. But you have to be able to read Discern. it in a, in a concentrated period yeah, of time. I wish I, you yes. can't just read a little bit every night for several nights. So you'll be going, what? Where? Like you said, <laughs> where was I? What, what? Yeah, I wish I had known going in to this book that we were going to suspend some reality. Yeah. Because I as winning the Walter Scott Historical Fiction Award, I thought we're going to get some heavy-duty history. I really did think it was a history lesson like for me because I'm not very good in history. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big... I don't like war books in general. I mean, there's so much out there that conflict breeds a lot of storytelling, but I'm not a huge war It makes fan. me curious about his poetry. Mm-hmm. Just with... Will it be conflict ridden or well, will it the, be the gymnastics he did? Like, yeah. well, what will that look like? Yeah, but our adjectives are the end of the sentence and the prepositions are the beginning and <laughs> and the, everything's in the wrong place. The adverbs are now do this language and Yoda speak. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is Yoda. Definitely, you can make a class crazy by asking them to diagram sentences. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just wrong. I know. I know. That's the. I'm. I'm the child of that. Done would be a bad thing. <laughs> yes, that's very good. That's exactly what I was thinking. So well, I'm just going to ask some general questions now. We've talked about the characters, our main characters, and I would like to meet handsome John Cole, see if he's really that handsome. Who would play handsome John oh, Cole? Oh, yeah, who would? Yeah, who would be a handsome? Somebody with dark hair, because he's supposed to be kind of like Indian, right? Like his, he's supposed to be part Native American. Tom Selleck's too old, I guess. Yeah. And then you need to. S- well, I don't, I don't know any Indian actors. Any, I know. Any Native American. Harry Hamlin, is he not? Or just people with dark hair and dark oh, eyes. Ian Somerhalder. Who's no, that? he's too Who old. Is that? <laughs> That's Damon from Vampire Diaries. Oh, uh, okay. It, the other person, well, and he's just on my mind because he was on TV last night, Adam Driver. He's not, tra- oh, yeah. he's not traditionally he looks handsome. It, it's ish. It, it's but Native he has, uh, yeah, he definitely has an eth- like ethnic look and he's dark. Dark eyes. Yeah, and he can do do both sensitive and kind of uh, not so much. But he is very compelling. There's a movie um, that you may not have seen probably, but it's got him and uh, Daniel Radcliffe in it, and he plays oh, Harry Potter. Yeah, and I can't, but it's a, a, a kind of a love story. He plays kind of the sidekick friend. Oh. Very funny. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I guess the other reason that he comes to mind is because he <sighs> was in the army or marine. I think he was a marine. Oh, in in real life. In real life, Adam Driver was, yeah. And um, he's done a lot of work. My kid's an actor, so I hear stuff about actors. He has a great project where they bring theater, like traditional theater, Shakespeare and et cetera, to veterans and to actually to military bases and stuff. And they perform. And they also teach acting classes. And it's a good outlet Mm. for people. Okay, back to the book. (laughs) Do you see the book's title? Relating to the story. So Days Without End. Oh, Lord. Book Without End. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say, too. That's what, when we went to see uh, Seven Years in Tibet, we walked out of the theater and my, I was like, well, thanks for going. I know that's not your really your kind of movie. And he was just grumbling. Seven years in Tibet. He was like seven years in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was thinking Days Without End. I was thinking Words Without End. Like there was not a lot of natural pauses. Well, and, it, you know, you saw Western, but when you saw the title, you just didn't put those two together. It's like, what? And Days Without End sort of seems like he's talking about, he sa- explains it a little bit. He's talking about when he was in the military and the long days, Days Without End. And then he sort of brings it back around to that he's, like the story, he's storytelling that this is his uh, did y'all get that? Like that he was, the narrator was supposed to be like telling the story of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. If you say so. 
I did get that much. I got a little bit, but you would forget it. it, it I mostly just got lost in the language. Yeah. Like some of those things, lost that, in the those, language. those uh, episodes that you brought up, I'm like, when did they do that? <laughs> yeah, which war? Which war are we in? Like um, I would catch some things, but um, did, what did y'all? Okay, so let's talk about the ending. So we end it in. It's a. It's a relatively happy. Happily ever yeah. after. Is a, and it could have gone south so easily. Any at any point. No one's going to come get us, we don't think, because he's He's, he's dead and, and she's in a dress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Winona's story. No one's going to be prejudiced against her. Yeah. It's a brave new world. Okay. <laughs> so Unless he does something for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so who knew that something that was titled Days Without End would have a happy ending? Exactly. I really didn't think it was. I really didn't. Maybe that's like sort of that Irish fatalism Humor, yeah. thing, yeah. But was it satisfying? The the title, you mean? Or no, the, the ending of the book. The ending, the happy ending. I basically. thought it was surprising, but I was glad because I was yeah, tired I mean, of all of them. Were you glad it was over? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I was tired of and, all of them. And it was nice that it all ended well. Like I'm glad I read it, but I, I, it was a slog. I it was that, a little oh bit. my gosh, yeah. Well, I think at first I really liked it. At first, I was like, oh, this is interesting when they were dressed as women. But then the war, this was the war part oh, that got goodness. bad. I, I, well, I, but it should. It should be that should on be. our sensibilities. Uh, yeah. I was listening to it, and then I'm like, okay, this is going too slow. So I'm just like, zzz, 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 <laughs> <slip>. <laughs> Yeah. I don't need to this hear. This doesn't look important. Okay, next. I don't need to hear about, um, I mean, I, I think history, Civil War, we all know it was bad. There was a lot of amputations. It was, it was not, it was bloody. I, I don't think that I'd recommend it as a good, fun read. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is who, not, not a specific question of would you recommend it, but if you were to recommend it, who would, who would be the person, the type of person you would recommend it to? Senior English. LGBT. <laughs> yeah. Uh, history people. Mm -hmm. Not even LGBT people, because they'd be like, this is really bad. <laughs> I think senior English students, just because, you know, they all think they know everything, and, and this would kind of knock them on their ears a little bit about, oh, uh, that yeah. stuff happened back then? Oh. Mm -hmm. Or to, to, to have them critique it, maybe? Yeah. And would they understand the suspension of reality? Yeah. How realistic is this? Yeah. Because I think that, obviously, their world is different than ours, like mm. um, a different, like my kids have grown up so differently than I did. But in the same town, which is really amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, progress, sort of, <laughs> to a point. It's almost like, was it a reimagining? That's what I was trying to come to. Like, is this a, was he doing that to reimagine a, a historical novel context without prejudice? Or just... I just can't suspend my own reality, which is that there's no way there was never any pushback on that relationship from society. Well, with, with him pretending that there wasn't, I mean, that's a given. But yeah. Yeah. So do no, we, I, I think that they would have gotten pushback. Do we like our historical fiction reimagined or do we want it more concrete? If it could just be better, easily understood <laughs> language, that would be a great start. Just... Clean up the language, Bubba. <laughs> a couple of quotation marks. So I know when someone's saying something. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up there. <laughs> and I, I, my opinion changed. At first, I was really liking it. Then I didn't like it. And, uh, and then I ended up being like, eh, okay. But at first, I really liked it. In fact, I, we were sitting, I was sitting with my husband, and I was sort of giving him a synopsis of about the first 200 pages. And he was like, and his eyes glazed over at one point. And I was like, ah, he doesn't want to hear this. <laughs> well, that was, I did the same thing. I said, John, here's a Western and all this stuff we've been reading. I said, you might like it. And then when we got to the point where they were a couple, I went, me, you wouldn't like this. He so, wants his yeah, cowboys would, pure. <laughs> would, you, would you recommend this book to your Bible study group? <laughs> no. No. Probably not. I wouldn't recommend I I can't think it of it was just okay. Yeah, I can't think of very many people I would recommend it. It was very well the the award was very focused on Irish history and so, you know. Sure. Maybe who people who are into that. 
I can, I picked when I was looking at awards, I was like, well, we need, you know, I was trying to hit all the genres and I looked at Westerns and then I looked at historical fiction and that's the only award that's like purely just for historical fiction. There's not really any other awards with that category. You mean anywhere? Or anywhere. Just, oh, really? That's different. Yeah. I mean, there's fiction. Yeah. And then, but the- I mean, Barbara Taylor Bradford never won any. Exactly. Exactly. Well. John Jakes, like that would have been a North and South. fiction. It probably would just be fiction. I don't know if it would be considered, but I mean, it's historical fiction, but it would probably, if it was an award- Maybe written in the UK though. Yeah, this one. So no, this, Walter, this one has said? to be written. Yeah, it has to be a UK award. So it was more understandable with that. Yeah, I, when I heard, from that yeah. standpoint. Yeah, the more drink, Guinness you drink, the better this book will get. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one pint before we begin the yeah. uh, judging. So we're gonna end there, and um, as always, if anybody would like an audio version of this book. And to figure out what the heck we were talking about, they can email Stephanie at stephanie at recordinglibrary.org if they want to sign up for services and talk to us about anything about this book or other books. It's 432-682-2731. Next month is December, and that's the end of the year. And so I tried to put a lighthearted book at the end of the year because this is kind of a um, busy time and we needed something we could read. So it's, an, uh, I believe it's called, it's by Kristen Higgins. And it's very, fun. very famous. It's author. very fun. Sister of Mary Higgins Clark. Is really? she? No. I no, I don't think so. <laughs> I was like, wow, that would be awesome. Okay, it's called Now That You Mention It by Kristen Higgins. And it is the 2018 Rita Award for Mainstream Fiction with a Central Romance theme. It's um, fluff, but it's very entertaining. Entertaining. So that's kind of what I was thinking everybody would need this time of year. And the Ritas are, I believe that's romance, something, something, something. But that's the one that's mainstream fiction, not a bodice. We call them here bodice rippers. Rippers, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's mainstream romantic fiction, not erotic fiction. The, the heroine is a doctor. She keeps her clothes on a lot, I bet. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so we, set in Maine oh. in Boston. Yeah, she's like a doctor, something mm-hmm. like that. It sounds good to me, too. It it's sounds like it'll be an easy, quick Thanksgiving read. Exactly. So we will meet back here in December to discuss it. All righty. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Recording Library of West Texas Award-Winning Book Club, premiering on the first Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. Thanks to our volunteers who participated in today's reading. To listen again, find our show as a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at our website at recordinglibrary.org.